Good to see you guys. You guys happy to be here? Okay, there we go. Got some energy in the room. Happy to be here in a different space. Who comes here on the weekends? Come on. We need next week. I need everybody's hands to be up because everybody came on Sunday. Cool? We are the Young Adult Ministry of Victory Church. We are not our own church. We are a part of a larger church. And I've been in a really contemplative space lately, a really reflective space lately, uh, because it's like I'm realizing I've now been at Victory for 10 years. And when I first started coming to this ministry, it was in this room because that room wasn't even built at the time. There was no chapel space. And I remember even when they said they were going to build a chapel, I was thinking like a chapel chapel, not a smaller auditorium that we call a chapel. So I was around that long ago before it even existed. And I remember my first time in this ministry, I was sitting like in this area. I was here with my sister uh, and I was, it was my first year at Victory, period, and I hadn't been in church in a long time before coming to Victory, and I was 24 years old. I'm going to be 35 this year, in November. And I tell you that because you should know. I don't know, I just feel like you should know. A lot of people, a lot of times people think I'm younger than I am, and nah, man, I've been around a little while. You know what I mean? I've been through some things, made some decisions in my life. Uh, and I think it's important because, you know, one of the things that I want to talk about tonight is the long term. And if you've heard me this year, a lot of that has been what I've been focusing on. A lot of what I've been talking about has been focused on the long term vision. We did several messages around staying the course. And because that's becoming increasingly important to me now, because the longer you're doing anything, the more you see people fall off. So whether that is being a Christian, the longer you're walking with Jesus, you see people fall off, you know, and everybody starts off real strong. It's like sports, you know, like you see everybody starts off playing in middle school. The bar is low, you know, everybody can just about everybody can get on the middle school team. But it's the people who stay consistent and develop their skill set and stay committed that end up going to the higher levels because when you are in it for the long term, you have to go to higher levels. You can't stay playing middle school ball forever or else we would all be LeBron because the bar would be very low. But even when you look at a LeBron James, he's been playing at a very high level for a long time, like 20 years in the game. This is crazy. I remember when I graduated high school, LeBron, was like, well, he, was, he had started a few years before I graduated high school. But it's just crazy that he's still, like, playing. And I've been through so many different seasons of life. And staying in anything for the long term is a testament in itself. But I remember being here and 24 years old, and I had uh, a vision for my life that I had been committed to for most of my late teens to that point in my life when I was 24, I had this vision for my life that I was going after wholeheartedly, and I was not willing to compromise on it with God. I knew what I wanted in life, 
and I just wanted to go after it. I really was pretty confident. I always felt like I was supposed to do something significant. Has anybody ever felt that? I always felt like I was supposed to do something significant, but I kind of took that into my own hands and chose what significant thing I wanted to do. I chose what I deemed was significant, what I deemed was success. And 24 years old is, is when I finally got to like the end of myself after years of just going wholeheartedly after what I wanted to do. And what I wanted to do was music. And so I was like full on committed to doing that for years and I wasn't willing to compromise. I never saw myself doing ministry. Uh, I had seen it like earlier in my life. Like there were like little glimpses like growing up where I could foresee like God was doing some things in my life. And then by the time I got to late teens, early 20s, by the time I really got into college, all that was like out the window. I was doing my thing. But I found myself over in this area. And I remember, I was just thinking about it because we happened to be in this room. And I remember there was a guy over here leading worship and he was singing this song uh, called 10,000 Reasons by a guy named Matt Redman. It's a very old song. This was like 2013 and that song was probably like 2010. And if you go listen to it now, you probably won't keep playing it. But it was just, it was cool to me to be in a space with a bunch of young adults and to see somebody my age up here leading sounded good and it made me wanna go listen to that song the next day and God was just doing new things in my life. I wasn't really used to listening to worship music. I was playing everything but worship music and God was starting to do something new in my life and it just makes me think now looking back, I had no idea what God had in store for me. And if I hadn't stayed around, if I hadn't stayed the course, I don't know where my life would be. And I've also been in a reflective space because for some reason, I feel like God keeps bringing up this conversation. I've been talking about like that season of my life more and more, even just this week. And I got a message from somebody who who was in my life pretty close back then. And it was interesting. He DM'd me on Instagram after seeing uh, one of my podcast clips. And I just want to read the message to you guys because it just spoke to me. And it may not speak to you, but it spoke to me. He said, keep up the good work. I'm so proud of you. I'm glad you accepted God's change of direction for you. Now your voice is being used for a higher calling. People don't realize how much strength and faith that took for you to leave something you loved and were great at. We plan, but God is the best of planners. Once again, I'm proud of you, love you, and honored to call you my friend. Stay strong. Don't lose faith or hope. That was nice, right? And this is from a friend who's not even a Christian. He's Muslim. And (laughs) it's interesting, right? Like, you're like, I don't know what to say about that, right? But it's amazing to me because it was a reminder that God is doing more than I realize all the time. And the decisions I've been making in life, I haven't been making them for the people watching, but people are watching. And he sees God moving in my life. He didn't just say like, oh man, your podcast is really cool, or you know, you're good at speaking. 
Like he said, he reached out, he typed up this message that somebody who I haven't talked to much in the last 10 years, just to say, hey, I still see you and I'm proud of you. I see that you accepted God's change of direction for your life. That just spoke a lot to me because he could have just been like, all right, you changed directions. You did like the religious thing. But no, he saw God change the direction of my life and he saw me accept it. That's what he's seeing from his perspective. And he's seeing that God is now using my voice. He says for a higher calling. So to me, I'm like, God, you're reaching out to this man just through what I'm saying yes to in my life. And I just wonder for you, like who is waiting on your yes? Like who is on the other end of your yes? Who might God want to speak to through the decisions you make in your life? The longer I go about this, the more I see it's not about me. That's what Carl was just sharing when he was up here that I was just sharing with him in the back. The, the more that I do this, the more I realize this is not about me. And unfortunately, most of us, we, we come up with a vision for our lives or a plan for our lives way too early in the game. Like before we even know what life is about, we try to map out our whole lives. And I just think, man, how would that have impacted my future wife? family, children, like how would that have impacted you guys? Like if I just said no to God and chose to go my own way, like how many people would that have affected? I think about that because the decisions that I make now today, I make with so many other people in mind. The decisions I make is now way less about just me it's about my wife. It's about my son. It's about you guys. Legitimately. Who do you make decisions for? Who do you have in mind when you're making decisions in life? And, and who have you factored in to your plan for your life? Because I know you have one. Like, you may not have it all written out. You may not have, like, your five steps. You may not have, like, your vision board and all that stuff. But you have an idea of what you want your life to look like. And I just wonder, who have you factored into that? And then I want to challenge you to ask you, have you really sought God on his vision for your life? Because he has one. And for me, there was no way I would have known that I would go from sitting there 10 years ago to standing here 10 years later. I, there's no way I would have known that because it was so far from what I wanted in the moment, where I was in the moment. It was, it, I could have never foreseen the path that it would take to get here, but God knew all that, and it amazes me that he knew all this even then. And all the small steps that he was calling me to take, all the steps were leading to now. And everything I'm doing right now is leading to later. God has a big picture and a big plan 
in mind for your life. And I just want to tell you, it's not all about you. The plan that God has for your life, he's factored in so many other people. This is the nature of who he is. I want to read the scripture that we're going to focus on tonight. I'm going to read the first verse of it to illustrate this a little bit more. In John chapter 12, verse 24, Jesus says this. These are the words of Jesus. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. I want you to look at that for a second. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. This is a strange way of talking about wheat because nobody thinks that a seed dies. But this is the analogy that he's using to help us understand something. And and if you're not familiar with what a grain of wheat is, I just want to put up a picture for you so that you can get a visual. Some of you guys are visual learners. This is a grain of wheat. When you think it does, right, it looks kind of like peanuts. When you look at this, this is not what you're used to wheat looking like. Because you're used to seeing wheat on the other side of its death. You're used to seeing wheat on the other side of its process. You're used to seeing wheat when it has borne fruit. You're not used to seeing this. In the same way, for many of us, this is what we look like right now. I should probably be pointing here because the camera is better, right? This is what we look like right now. Sorry, there's two screens. For everybody watching online, there's a screen there, so I was pointing there. But, boom, this is what you look like. This is what you look like now. And Jesus is saying that there's a process to how he operates, and there's a process to his plan. And he's, and he's communicating this at the end of the day, that in the kingdom of God, the death of your plan gives birth To God's plan. In the kingdom of God, the death of your plan gives birth to God's plan. And notice the phrasing that he uses because he doesn't just say, you know, well, I won't go through all the things he doesn't say. What he does say is that unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains Alone. He doesn't just say unfruitful. He doesn't just say it doesn't have a purpose. But he says that it remains alone, indicating that that's a negative thing. And he's saying, well, if, if it doesn't die to its plan, it stays by itself. And this is God communicating this, saying that that is not his intent for it. Do you know that most of the time when you make a plan for your life, you only factor in yourself? You're only thinking about you. And you may include some people along the way who might benefit from it. But at the end of the day, you are focusing on yourself. Our plans for our lives are about our own self-preservation. They are about survival. They are about self-aggrandizement. We want to see ourselves flourish. And we're not really prioritizing other people. It's not that we don't care about other people or don't love them. But our plans revolve around us getting to where we want to be. 
And Jesus is saying that if the grain of wheat had that same mentality, it would never be able to do what he's called it to do. Because the grain of wheat may want to stay above the dirt, may want to stay a grain, may want to stay a seed, and may not want to go through the burial process, the planting process, the cultivation process, the hard work, the challenges, and what Jesus calls the death that is required to bring real life. And so the the title of what we're talking about tonight is Death and Life. Death and Life. And this is what I've found in my life, that the more I die to my plan, the more it gives life to other people. The more I die to my plan, the more it gives life to other people. Because when I die to my plan, I follow God's plan. And God's plan is about benefiting other people. And if you're going to stay following Christ for the long haul, and if you're going to stick in this long term, then you have to allow him to shift your mindset, shift your focus, shift your value system to prioritizing others above yourself. The, the Bible tells us to esteem others as more important than yourself. How do you do with that? Most of us don't do well with that, especially in our early years. This is why I started out telling you guys, like, I'm not in my 20s anymore. Because I didn't think like this nearly as much in my 20s. But now, in my 30s, and mind you, I'm not in my 40s or 50s. There's still plenty of wisdom for me to gain. But I feel like the revelation has really expanded into my 30s to see what life is really about. And here's why I wanted to share this with you guys, because the younger you are, the more ambitious you typically are. And ambition isn't evil in and of itself, but selfish ambition is the way to destruction and disaster. The Bible tells us that where you find selfish ambition and vain conceit, you'll see evil and disorder of every kind. Because what we will do to benefit ourselves is step on other people. Step over other people. We'll step by the instructions of God. Because his instructions are telling us to serve other people. And the younger you are and the more ambitious you are, I hate to spoil it, but the less you really understand God. And this is challenging for most of us. And I'm sharing it with you really for the future. For you, like when you get to that point to say like, all right, I'm out, I'm about to quit. I want you to know that I'm telling you now that you'll probably get to that point and you gotta make a decision. But when you're young and you're ambitious, you never see yourself getting to that point. And you can listen to me from up here say this and be like, I'm never gonna get there. I'm on fire for the Lord and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and nothing's gonna stop me. And I see it over and over and over and over that so few people really stick around for the long haul. 
And it's because there's something that we want that we are going after. And we mask it with Christian language and we call it whatever we want. But so often there is something that we want from God or from his house. There's, there's something that we want that we're going after. And when we are going after something that we want in his kingdom, we miss the gift of going after what he wants. And when you're going after what he wants, it's a very different process than going after what you want. And here's where we get it mixed up. We go after what we want and we say that it's what he wants. But it gets tested when you get challenged and when you go through difficulties. And many times you see people fall off and turn away from God even after they get what they wanted because it didn't fulfill them and then they got tested. So here's an example. We may go to church, serve, get involved, be in a small group. And what we want most is a spouse. <laughs> and then you get a spouse because you were pursuing that more than pursuing God. And you get the spouse and then disappear. And you did not realize that you need what God wants. Because when you get what you want and you're doing it on your own, you are in for a rude awakening. And so people disappear and you don't hear from them anymore. And their lives are in turmoil and they don't want to say anything. And you just see it over and over and over. Or you may even have a different kind of ambition. It may be, you may look at me and be like, I could do this way better than that dude. And, and you see me speaking on a microphone and you may want to do that. Now, that is not an evil desire by any means. If you want to preach, praise God. But make sure that you're going after what God wants. Because if you fight too hard to put yourself in position, you're in for a rude awakening. And this is why you see so many people in ministry go astray. They get the platform and don't know how to treat people. So they can talk really well, but then they don't live really well. And... And even worse, they don't last very long. You won't last long chasing a platform because you don't realize really what you're asking for and really what comes along with it. I saw a post from, uh, anybody know John Bevere? Yeah, prominent men in the faith. Uh, our founding pastors, you know, they're like best friends. And so he's preached here plenty of times. He's written some phenomenal books. Uh, but he was, he was talking about just being in ministry for like 40 years and how, how early on, for him, like the pinnacle was the platform ministry, like being some type of speaker or preacher or prophet or evangelist and how God really spoke to him that if, if you get promoted into a speaking ministry, you are getting promoted in serving. And you have to understand that. 
that this is a promotion in serving. But most of the time, you're not going to see it that way sitting from that seat. You're going to see it as a position of power. You're going to see it as a position of influence. And if you want power and influence and you go after that in God's kingdom the wrong way, with the wrong motive, you're in for a rude awakening. Because God's power and influence just comes with more sacrifice, responsibility, and servanthood. It doesn't just come with an applause and a yay, you. But if you're going for an applause and a yay, you, and you're so amazing, then you're in for a rude awakening. And this is why people don't last long. And so I feel pressed to tell you guys what God's kingdom is actually about so that you can actually be effective. Because I just look around this room, and I mean, if three of you guys get this, it's going to have a profound impact. If all of you guys get this, I just think of the exponential effect that it can have. One of you guys can affect millions of people. One of you guys can affect three people in a very deep and profound way. One of you guys can affect one person that affects three million people. Like, those are the ways that God moves. And we have to understand that we don't have it all figured out. And you don't really know what God is doing. So if you're focused just on your plan and not submitted to his, you're going to miss it. And you're probably not going to stick around long. And Jesus is saying this as the time is ticking down for him to go to the cross. And this, they still don't really get what he's saying, what he's talking about. It's still, this, it's still so foreign that, that God in the flesh, the one who raises the dead, the one who heals the sick, the one who drives out the enemy is going to die. But Jesus is saying, you don't understand it because you don't understand God. And God works differently than you work. God moves differently than you move, and God plans differently than you plan. And if you try to stick to your plan, you will never live out the purpose that you were created for. And you will be a well-dressed seed. <laughs> you may be a prominent seed, a famous seed. Everybody, look at this seed. Everybody, follow this seed but you stay a seed and you stay alone because a lot of people can admire you, a lot of people can respect you, but that's not really what God wants for your life. God wants you to bring people where he's bringing you. So God does not just want you to have onlookers, spectators, people who admire you. God wants you to have souls in heaven. God wants you to have eternal life and wants you to share that with others. He wants you to be fruitful. Your plan is for you to flourish, whatever that means to you. Your plan is for you to succeed. God's plan is for you to be fruitful. 
And the, the quicker you understand this, the more you'll understand God. The more you understand this, the more you will understand what he's calling you to do. Because the longer you do this, the more you see that the things he calls you to do are sacrificial. Like they may look glamorous at first, but it's sacrifice at the end of the day. And to be like God, I mean, I want you to really think about this. If you're going to be like God, how is God? Because we want God to be who we know him to be, but most of the time we don't want to be that way. So we want God to drop what he's doing at any moment of the day and tend to us. We want God to always be available to us. We want God to forgive us no matter what we've done. We want God to heal us, to deliver us, to free us. We want God to bring us into goodness and purpose and prosperity and flourishing. And then that's typically the extent of our plan for what we want God to do. When it comes to what we do for God, like he always has to remind us of that. But at the forefront of our mind is what we want him to do for us. And even when there are things that we want to do for God, many times the things we want to do for God are for us. Like we want to do prominent things for God. God convicted me of this early on. I realized, like early on, I remember writing this in in my journal. Like God convicted me one day. I realized I wanted to be a world changer more than I wanted the world to change. Like I wanted to make a difference more than I wanted a difference to be made. And that's where you start off when you're young. Like the younger you are, the more that's really where you're at. And the more you walk with Jesus, the more you see, oh, he wants the difference to be made. And for you, if you're gonna walk with him, you're gonna have to be cool with the difference being made Whether you get a thank you, whether you get an applause, whether anybody knows you did it, or even if he uses somebody else. Can God use somebody else? That's a great question to ask yourself. Because that'll test whether you want the world to change or whether you want to be the world changer. Because what if God uses somebody else to change the world? If you don't like that, then there's some things in you that you might want to continue to allow God to work in you because it's not that God doesn't want you to do something significant. It's about the character that he wants you to have. If you're going to be like him, Jesus said, I'm I'm gentle and lowly of heart. This is God in the flesh saying that he's humble. And we look in Philippians and Paul writes to us, To to have the same mind of Christ, have the same mindset that Christ had, who though he was equal with God, did not count equality with God as something to be grasped. But instead, he took on the form of a servant. God put 
godliness, not godliness in the sense of cleanliness or holiness, but in the sense of his divine nature and what he deserved being God, he put that to the side and took on the form of a servant. God. And like we know that, but how often do we see that as the model that we're imitating? Because somehow, even in the preaching that we hear nowadays, it's like God wants you to be Superman. And God just wants everything to be amazing for you all the time. And if you'll just have enough faith, God will get you whatever you want. But when we look at Jesus, we see him put aside some of the things that he might want and choose to take on the form of a servant. And I just don't hear that message as much. But I want to tell you that it's the message of Jesus. And it's the message you really need to understand if you're going to stick around for the long haul. Because if you think that God is just a genie, if you think that God is just handing out rewards and cars and houses and, and that's what it's all about, then you're in for a rude awakening. If you think preaching the gospel is about people saying that you're an amazing speaker and clapping for you and following you, you're in for a rude awakening. Because it's just not about that. It's about the word of God changing lives. That the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who would believe. And if you, and if you take off the form of a servant, you're going to miss God's plan. If Jesus took on the form of a servant, how could we not? And so I want to present this to you early in the journey, that this is what you have to look forward to. That to really be like God is to be like God. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believed in him wouldn't perish, but would have everlasting life. God already had everlasting life. Wasn't expecting you to really do anything for him, but he so loved you that he gave what he had so that you could have, so that you wouldn't perish. And when we're called to be like him, we're called to be like him in that way. And this is why Jesus gives this illustration of the seed, that if it dies to its own plan, to its own expectations, to what it wants out of life, it will find true life. It will find fruitfulness. Because a seed may want to be a seed, but that's not the best plan for its life. The best plan is for it to be fruitful, but it will have to go through the process of being fruitful. And so I want to give you three keys to being fruitful. And the first one is, do not love this world. He says in the next verse, after he says, if it dies, it'll bear much fruit. In verse 25, he says this, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. What is he saying here? Well, one, 
culturally, they were really big into extreme contrast when they were communicating. So what Jesus is saying here, even the word that he's using here, is not about hating your life, like in the way that you and I, if I said I hate my life, you'd pray for me. (laughs) But he's telling you that you should hate your life. So what does he mean? What he's talking about is your preference, your affections, your focus, what you value. And so do not love this world. In the letter of 1 John, John says, do not love this world or anything in it. For everything that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but comes from this world. These are the things that the world has to offer. And so what he's saying is, if you want to hold on to the life that this world offers you, you're going to miss the one he has for you. So he's not just talking about hating your life. He's saying, if you love the life that this world provides, then you will never experience the one that God provides. And in contrast, if you choose to forsake the life that this world provides, you will experience the life that God provides, which is a life of purpose, a life of meaning, a life of impact, and an eternal life. I think all the time, man, that we don't have long. We don't have long here. Like, 10 years ago, I came to this church. It doesn't feel like that. That's crazy to me that I can even say that. That makes me feel old. That I can say 10 years ago, I wasn't nine years old. You know? Like a decade. I've been at this church a decade. (laughs) But it it shows me how quick life moves. And it really makes me think, what about when the next 10 goes by? What do I want to look back and see when the next 10 years go by? And I want to ask you that question, man. If you are here 10 years from now, What do you want to look back and see? And are the decisions you're making right now going to produce that? Because we may want to look back and see like this healthy growth and life and impact. But if the decisions you're making today are unhealthy and they're selfish, and they're not focused on growth, and they're only about yourself, you're not going to see a life of impact moving forward if you stick with that. It is simple, right? It is simple, right? But for some reason, we complicate it, and then we look back and we be like, what happened? And we get mad at God based on the decisions we're making. Like, he really tells us how to live a fruitful life. But... When we reject it, we won't experience what he is offering us. Do not love this world. Would, I want you to just take a, an, an internal inventory right now. How are you doing with that? Like, do you love this world? Do you love the life that this world provides? Because you can't love the world and change it at the same time. You can't love the dark and be a light. You can't. I'm not saying don't love 
the people in the world. We're talking about the culture. You know, the way of life of this world, the way of thinking, the value system of this world. Do you love that? Because you're being pressured to. Every day, there's pressure. There's pressure to love the things that the world loves, to value the things that this world values. But the value system of this world changes constantly and not in a healthy direction. The value system of God has been the same and has always worked. And I'm telling you, that if you stick with the value system of God, you can actually make a significant impact on the world because you are following the way, the truth, and the life. That's who Jesus is. And it's like I want to like impart this idea and understanding into your brain. Like, I don't know if you get it because I'm saying it, but I'm just realizing more and more, like, the challenges that I'm facing in life, God is showing me nonstop. This is another opportunity to be more like me. And that's what most of our lives boil down to. The challenges that you're facing are an invitation to be more like Christ. Because if, you, if there's something that you need right now, do you trust God? Like, we'll make it so complicated. We will. But if we look at the life of Jesus, and we just ask, what would Jesus do in this situation? Most of the time, the answer is pretty simple. But it's the doubts, it's the voices in the world, it's the voice of the enemy, it's the voice of our flesh that brings so much confusion, but legitimately, most of the challenges that you are going to face are an invitation to be more like Christ. What would Jesus do in this situation? If you are in need of something, welcome to the club. If there's something if there's something in front of you that you don't know how you're going to get past or, or figure out, welcome. If where God is calling you to go in life looks difficult, welcome. Imagine to Jesus what his purpose looked like. Legitimately, it would look impossible to most of us. You're just a regular guy from a town nobody cares about or knows of. You have no notoriety in your family, no significant resources, and you are to become the most significant and famous person to ever exist. And you are not going to do this by 
what you would think, you're not going to do this by an amazing invention. You're not going to do this through amazing music. You're going to do this from going around, praying for people, teaching the word of God, performing miracles, and then getting murdered. But then you're going to resurrect from the dead. And then after you resurrect from the dead, you're going to go tell the people who were walking with you. Mind you, you only have three years to really accomplish this. Um, yeah, because in that, you're going to take kind of this, this group of fishermen, tax collectors, uh, some women, and you're going to just have them follow you around for three years and listen to everything you say. You're going to get murdered. And then you're going to resurrect from the dead. You're going to go back to them and you're going to tell them to go make followers of you throughout the entire world. And then the plan is going to continue for thousands of years through every generation, through every era, through every empire, through every government. It's going to continue to grow and it's going to continue to expand. And yeah, even in, in, in 2023, I mean, they're, gonna, they're going to build auditoriums. And people are going to come just to, like, sing songs to you and to remind each other of the things that you taught. That's how God planned. That's not how you plan. That's how God planned. And can I tell you that God has that kind of significant plan in mind for you? But it, you have to follow the same path. And this is why number two is you imitate Jesus daily. So the keys to being fruitful, you, you don't love the life that this world provides. And you learn to value the life that God provides more than the life that the world provides. And then you imitate Jesus daily. And he says in the next verse of scripture, he says in, uh, in verse 26, he says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. So we can't just say we serve God. We can't just say we serve Jesus, believe in Jesus. We must follow him. And, and the places that he has gone, we are to go there as well. This means, because he's connecting this, this is right after he says, unless the seed dies, it won't bear fruit. So we follow Jesus through the process of forsaking our plan, our great idea for our lives. We forsake the ways that we want to accomplish the goal because God is going to have us accomplish it in a totally different way than what we would expect or anticipate. And we just follow him daily and we imitate Jesus daily. And unfortunately, I see far too many Christians who do not imitate Jesus. And it's very, it's very simple, but it seems to be hard to find because we have a lot of people who talk about Jesus. We have a lot of people who know church, not a lot of churchy people. But imitating Jesus is what we are called to do. And I think there's a combination of 
some people just actually don't know how Jesus would operate in this situation because they don't read the Bible. But we can't be Christians. It's facts. We can't be Christians who do not read the words of Christ. It's not going to work. We have to engage with the word of God because that's what transforms us. That's what changes us. It's his guidance. It's his direction for us. Even when we think we're hearing from God, we don't know unless it's consistent with the word of God. That is the gift from him to us is I could say I heard one thing. You could say you heard another and we could go to the source and compare and we don't have to really question what imitating Jesus looks like because we can look at the life of Jesus that the people who walked with him recorded his interactions, his conversations. We can actually look at this and study this. And this is what we're called to do. We're called to be disciples of Jesus. This means students, followers, imitators. This is why the disciples were following him around. That's what discipleship is. You are a follower. You are an imitator. You are a student. You watch that person's every move and you seek to imitate it. That's discipleship. We imitate Jesus daily. You wake up. What would Jesus do this morning? How would Jesus respond to this interaction? How would Jesus show up to work? Or to school? Would Jesus show up late, looking wild, not respecting anybody? No, really, because we'll throw out the word of God in so many circumstances. Not really thinking like I'm supposed to be embodying the character of Christ throughout my daily interactions. And so we'll go to church, but then it's hard for us to be the church. Because to be the church, we have to be an extension and a reflection of Christ. The body is just doing what the head tells it to do. The body is submitted to the head. This is why the church is the body of Christ. We are submitted to the head. What is the head telling me to do today? What is in your mind to do? This is what we ask God. We cannot go about a life of purpose without constant direction from God and the constant desire to imitate him, being imitators of God as dearly loved children, as the word tells us. We imitate Jesus daily. It's pretty simple. And if we're going to be purposeful, we have to follow what the most purposeful person to ever walk the planet has done. He died to his own desires, to submit to the desire of the Father, knowing that the Father had the best plan in mind, and he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly, is what the word says. So keys to being fruitful. You do not love this world. You imitate Jesus daily. And number three, you receive your honor from God. Because the second part of that verse after he says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. He says, if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. If anyone serves me, the Father 
will honor him. If you serve Jesus, the Father will honor you. Before that, he says, if anyone is going to serve me, they got to follow me. It means you got to follow in his footsteps. It means to imitate him, be like him, Im- imitate his decisions, imitate his interactions, imitate how he treats people. And then the Father will honor you. It's not that complicated, but it's not easy to do this on a consistent basis for the long haul. I want you guys to still be following Jesus 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. Good. And and I want you guys to live lives that are honorable in God's eyes. Not in people. You can't hide from God, though. I want you to live lives that are honorable in the eyes of the Father. And the Father honors those who serve the Son. That's why when Carl invited the men down to worship, it's a powerful opportunity. Because the Father honors those who serve the Son. But many times our desire to be honored by others will overshadow what will really get us the honor of God and the humility to worship God is honored by God. The humility that's required, that, that, that's what worship is. Worship requires humility. Unfortunately, in church, everything can get weird because in church, you can get to a space where you're worshiping for attention. And then the humility is out the window and now it's back to pride, even in your worship. The enemy's always trying to slide in and sneak in and pervert something. But that's why it's so important that we seek to imitate Jesus and not impress people around us. Because we could be doing all this stuff and still not receive the honor that comes from the Father because he sees the intention of the heart. He sees the motive. But can I tell you that even if you're doing stuff that nobody acknowledges or values or appreciates, when you're serving Jesus, you receive the honor of the Father. And can I tell you, at at the end of the day, Scripture tells us that you and me, each and every one of us individually is going to have to stand and give an account to God for our lives. This is what I'm reminded of every week. When I get up here to share the word with you, this this is why I'm always trying to share with you what I really believe God is saying because I know that that's where all of this is headed. Like, if if I'm just sharing stuff that I I feel like will get you to invite your friends, then I'm missing it and you're going to miss it. But I'm thinking about the fact that you are going to have a conversation with Jesus one day. And what you're not going to (laughs) say is that I wasted my opportunity to help you make that a good conversation. And what I'm not going to hear in my conversation with him is, Vance, you prioritize everything else but me. You didn't prioritize what I wanted to do, what I wanted to say. You didn't give my people the real deal. It's not going to happen with me. <laughs> but that requires a death to myself 
and the submission to what God wants to do and to just allow him to make me fruitful. And, it, and it's the same thing for you. God, he says, if you humble yourself, he will exalt you. He says that God favors the humble, but he opposes the proud. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and in due time, he will exalt you. Those are three different scriptures. So you see throughout the scriptures that, that God does care about your exaltation. He does care about your honor. He wants to honor his children. He wants to lift his children. He wants you to receive the honor that comes from him, but you got to know what he's going to honor. He wants you to receive the honor that comes from him, but he wants you to know what he's going to honor. He's not going to honor anything fake. He's not going to honor masked motives. He's not going to honor just ambition that we call kingdom ambition. He wants kingdom submission. He's got the plan. He doesn't really need your crazy drive. You need to be ready to work and to be consistent and to push through difficult things and to persevere. But you got to be willing to walk at his pace and walk with him and be submitted to him. And that's what he's going to honor. And can I tell you, that's what is actually going to impact people because people can sniff through all the fake stuff. And so if you fake your way to getting somewhere, like you may get some applauses from people who can't really discern or determine like what's happening. But the people that God is really calling you to impact are going to be impacted by your authenticity, by what God has really done in your life. That way you won't have to like scramble to figure out what to say and like all this stuff. Like for me, the message came because of stuff that's actually happening in my life. Things that I'm seeing and things that God is doing in my life, showing me in the word, showing me in my life. And then I'm just sharing it with you. I have to die to myself. And the more I die to myself, the more it benefits other people. And it's going to be the same thing for you. If you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to live a life of purpose, if you're going to do anything that matters, it's going to come with the death of your own plan, giving birth to God's plan in your life. So I want to close with this. John 15, verses 1 through 2, he says this. Jesus says this. This is just a few chapters later. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. Jesus says he's the vine. His father is the vine dresser. He's the one cultivating the vine. And the vine is full of branches. You and I are the branches. And he says that every branch in the vine that does not bear fruit, he takes it out because the purpose was for it to bear fruit. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. And he cuts away the things that are keeping it from growing so that it may bear more fruit. Sometimes there are plans that you have in your own life. There are desires that you have in your own life. There are things that you've committed to in your own life that are actually keeping you from growing. There are inner vows that you've made that are keeping you from growing. There are places you won't go. It's keeping you from growing. Things that you don't wanna do 
that's keeping you from growing. But you have an opportunity in front of you to actually live out the plan that God put together for your life before the foundations of the world, of the world. It's amazing to me that he says that you and I were chosen in him before the foundations of the world. Before he said, let there be light, he had a plan for your life. And all this time has gone by. All these people have walked this planet all to get to this moment where we're right here right now. Receiving an opportunity and an invitation from God to continue on the path that he's called us onto. Or for some of us to step onto the path that he's called us onto you. Can I tell you, without Jesus, you're missing it. You're missing it. You can do everything and miss it. You can burn real bright. And then it never mattered. But with Jesus is where you bear fruit. With Jesus is where you make a difference. Serving God benefits you more than it benefits God. And the plan that he has for your life is a good one, but it's going to require the sacrifice of your plan. I want you guys to stand to your feet. Very, very simple concept tonight but a life-changing concept. Like this will change your life if you receive this and if you continue in this. I, I believe strongly that there were some people coming in here. I'll tell you, every single one of us coming in here, I know that the enemy does not want you to be on course. So whether you haven't been walking with Jesus, he's been trying to keep you away, if you have been walking with Jesus, he's been trying to get you away. That's just what happens. It's what he does. And sometimes we need to be reminded who God is. I know even as Carl was ministering earlier, and he said, look to Jesus. Get him in your mind. However you picture him, maybe you're looking in his eyes, maybe you're looking at the cross. Here's what I would say. We need to look to the cross to know that our sins were forgiven. But Jesus is not on the cross anymore. And some of us were only looking at the cross. And so we only are thinking about whether we're sinning or not sinning and how much we need to sin and how much we don't need to sin and which sins are forgiven and what's okay and what's not because the cross, right? But you know that Jesus is not on the cross anymore. And Jesus is described in the letter of Revelation as having eyes like a blazing fire, having a voice like the sound of many waters. That, that when John saw him, the, the person who wrote 
documented this gospel that we just read. When he saw him, he fell down like he was dead. That's who we're talking about. We're not just talking about some like Gandhi figure. We're not talking about just some like peace and love, meditation. We're not talking about Mother Teresa. We're talking about the Lord of all creation, the eternal one. We're talking about the the alpha, the beginning, and the omega, the end. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we don't really understand who we're talking about. That when we're hearing a message like this about being fruitful, do you know who's telling you about being fruitful? God, the one who created you. He has a good plan for your life. And you have an invitation to be like him. The invitation to sacrifice. The invitation to lay down your own plan because it's a bad one. It is. It's not going to work out how you think it is. But his plan is going to work out better than you imagine. And it's going to benefit other people. And can you imagine heaven being full of people that God has used you to impact? But most of us, we're not thinking about that. And so here's what I'll say. If you want the end of your life to just be the end of your life and you're the only person who benefited from it, then don't listen to anything I said tonight. But if you want your life here, this short period of time that you have to echo beyond and to impact people, and if you want heaven to be full, if you want to be in heaven, if you want heaven to be full, and if you want a well done, my good and faithful servant, then listen to what Jesus is saying tonight. Jesus is calling you. He loves you. He's not calling you to sacrifice because he doesn't like you. He's calling you to be like him. This is his nature. So I want us to close our eyes. And I just want you to to think about the things that have been standing in the way of you seeing the value of God's plan. What has been standing in the way of you seeing the value of God's plan, the beauty of God's plan, the true fruit? What has been standing in the way of you seeing your impact on other people as more important than the benefits that you want. And now I wanna wanna pray for you. Father, I thank you that you would give us the gift of insight. Lord, that you would even show us, Lord, the things that stand in the way of us seeing you for who you really are. Now, for some of us, it's hurt, it's pain. For some of us, it's sin. For some of us, it's just desires, God, that that we at the moment can't help but have. For some of us, it's, it's just an ambition, it's a plan. For some of us, it's a person. 
But Lord, I thank you (laughs) that you have not left us on our own. That you are not just calling us to change our lives and to clean it up and to fix things and to just do things better. But Lord, you are inviting us to experience who you are. That you are the transformer of the heart, the renewer of the mind. God, you are our shepherd. You are Jehovah Rohi. You are the Lord, our shepherd. You lead us. You guide us. You make us to lie down in green pastures. You lead us beside still waters. You refresh our soul. Though we may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil because you are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. God, I thank you that you are guiding us, Lord, and that even on a night like tonight, Lord, you would redirect us. You would have us fall back in line. Any of us who've been who've been just off course, any of us who've been ready to tap out, any of us who have been not engaged with your purposes, with your plan, with who you are. God, I thank you that you are stirring up something new. And Lord, I pray for just an empowerment across this place. Lord, to focus on what matters. Lord, I pray that we would live lives that matter. I pray that we would live on earth like we really believe in heaven. Lord, I pray that we would live on earth like we really believe that you are who you say you are. God, I pray that lives would be changed and saved through the people in this room. Not just that we would be saved, not just that we would be better, not just that we would be cleansed, not just that we would be powerful, not just that we would be purposeful, but the people you want to reach through us would be cleansed, would be saved, would be powerful, would be purposeful. God, I pray that this would be a room full of people who makes disciples. And we will only do that if we forsake our way and forsake our plan. And so God, by your Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would help us to stay the course. Help my brothers and sisters to stay the course, to resist the devil so that he will flee from them, to submit themselves to you, to humble themselves under your mighty hand, God. Would you help us to humble ourselves under your mighty hand so that in due time you may exalt us. Lord, for anybody who's been impatient, Lord, I just pray that you would cultivate the fruit of patience in our lives. It's a a fruit of your spirit. It's a work of your spirit. It's not a work of the flesh. The flesh is impatient, but the spirit will birth patience. Lord, would you help them? Would you help us? God, would you help us to be a people who prioritize your word, who prioritize prayer? God, even going into the summer, Lord, would you help us to not just be in vacation mode, but Lord, would you help us to stay engaged in our relationship with you, in our relationship with others? God, would you help us to stay engaged and on purpose and on plan, on mission? And Lord, would you bring peace to your people? Help us to be a people that are marked by peace so that people would look on and and say, what do you have? Who do you have? And Lord, I just thank you for just the impact of every life in here. Lord, 
Lord, there are so many people in here who don't even know who they are. They don't know what you're gonna do with them, but it doesn't matter. They don't need to know. They just need to stick with you and see it happen through obedience, through daily obedience, through forsaking the world and the things of this world, the love of this world, through imitating you daily and to seeking your honor, seeking your honor, God, not the applause of men, so that you could be glorified. there's one more just one more group of people that I want to address tonight if you're in here and you did not walk in here having a relationship with Jesus this is an important night for you because Jesus is extending an invitation to you to step into relationship with him what he was explaining to the disciples in the passage of scripture that we read, it was all about what he was about to do for you. That he could have just lived his life, he could have just ascended into heaven, but he made sure he followed through with the full plan of the Father by dying on the cross to pay the price for your sin. And then he resurrected to show his power over sin, over death. He accomplished victory for you and I. The plan that he has for your life, you're actually now able to do it because he saved you and he has eternal life for you. And, and if he's been moving in your heart tonight, tonight, some of you, I, I, you've been feeling that draw. It's just the Holy Spirit. He's, he says that no one can come to him unless the Father draws them. And so if you've been feeling that draw, I just want you to lift your hand up high so that I can pray with you. I see your hand. I see you. I mean high. And, and here's why. The more, the more that I do this, the more that I do this, I see you. The more that I do this, the more I realize how significant this moment is for you. And sometimes we can get in the flow of ministry and we can be used to doing altar calls and salvation prayers. And we can, we can forget like how much of a changing moment this is for you. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've been doing. But God in his mercy drew you here tonight. God in his mercy is inviting you. It doesn't matter what you did before. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what's happened to you. Nothing can stop the plan of God for your life. And tonight was a significant key moment in the plan of God for your life. And so I, I don't want us to fly through a prayer real quick. I, I want you to make a decision. And so I want us all to close our eyes in this moment just to honor this moment. Because I'm tired of people not staying the course. I'm tired of people making this decision and, and falling back on the decision and, and all those things. And 
I just want to do my part in equipping you and, and allowing you to embrace this moment and embrace this decision. And I want you to, right now, just make a heart commitment to Jesus. That's what this is about. This is about your life changing, about you receiving the spirit of God, the forgiveness of God. And from this moment forward, you being in the family of God, welcomed with open arms, becoming a child of the King, having access to every promise that comes through the blood of Jesus. This is, this, this is about to change the impact of your prayers. Without a relationship with Jesus, you can't pray anything impactful. But once you step into this covenant, you receive the forgiveness of your sins and the Holy Spirit. And now you can pray and heaven moves. You can pray in the name of Jesus and your name is written in the book of life and heaven moves. You can pray healing and healing happens. You can pray deliverance and deliverance happens. When the enemy attacks you, you can drive out the enemy through the authority of Jesus that you can't do in your own authority. The enemy will attack you, attack your bloodline, try to do generational stuff is what they're trying to set up. But the reality is that through Jesus, you have victory. And so that's why I say this is such a turning point because this changes everything. This not only changes your purpose, this will change your character and this will change your power. This will change your family because you're able to pray for them in a way that matters. And so with all that in mind, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you lived a sinless life in human flesh. I believe you went to the cross willingly for me, that you died, but that wasn't the end. I believe three days later, you resurrected from the grave. I believe that you are now seated at the right hand of the Father, above everything, and that you are completely in charge. I believe that you have the power to forgive me. And so right now, I repent of my sins. I turn from my old way of life, my old way of thinking, and I turn completely to you. I receive your forgiveness. I invite you to cleanse me, make me new, make me born again. And I will follow you as Lord for the rest of my life. I just want us to take a few moments to worship God. I, I believe that he did some significant things in our lives tonight. I believe that some of us, we had a fire stoked. I believe that for some of us, like he really spoke some significant 
life-changing things to you tonight. I know for some of you, you guys just stepped into relationship with God. And this is an opportunity for you to worship him for the first time as a Christian. And so I just want to seal this moment by giving glory to him, giving honor to him. I want this room to be filled with worship and with praise of the king. And then we'll go. Thanks, team. Thank you.